0: So I think we're very fortunate in that regard to have done an all-secondary round, whereby, you know, we didn't put all the money into the business, spend the money, and now we're like, we're, we're totally screwed here.
1: You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to getlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to GitLatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at GitLatka.com. Hey, folks, my guest today is Ross Paquette. He's building a company called MorrowPost.com. Launched, or at least earliest date, I've got revenue data on, caught all the way back to 2016, 2017. Uh, now scaling up. Now he took some capital from an outside partner and said, you know what, I like the bootstrap life much better. He said, you know, what? I'm going to buy him back. And he did it. Now he's continuing to scale. They're doing MA, one of the great bootstrap success stories. Ross, welcome to the show.
0: Uh, thanks so much for having me, Nathan.
1: Okay, did I get that right? When was founding year?
0: It was actually 2000. Uh Jesus, what year are we now? <laughs> it was 2011.
1: Sorry. Ah, okay, okay. So 2011, uh, and then for folks that have not heard of you before, just quickly, what, what do you guys do? What are you selling?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we have a, a single solution that encompasses uh, commerce cloud, marketing cloud, and service cloud. So effectively, e-commerce and retail, marketing automation, email, SMS, and then help desk, so live chat, chat bots, ticketing, and all, and so on. And our target market is mid-market. Uh, um, e-commerce and retail businesses or organizations. Hot, very hot space.
1: So so when did you, do you remember the year you guys passed a million bucks in revenue?
0: Yeah, that would have been 2013, I guess. And what was that like? What were you selling back then? Is it the same thing or is it changing yeah, drastically? Yeah, no, it was, it was mostly email marketing and marketing automation. So we very quickly went from 300,000 in revenue in 20, I guess that would have been 2013, actually. And then 2014, 3.3 3 million, 20 Sixteen, if I'm not mistaken, was thirteen point three million, and then twenty six million in 2017, if I'm not mistaken. Interesting. And then you told me on the last show you broke forty
1: million in 2019. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Very cool. Okay, so how many of these companies are customers are you serving today?
0: Uh, just shy of five thousand. Actually, we're about to.
1: We should hit five thousand in a couple months. Holy cow! Okay. And average company is paying about what in terms of ARPU?
0: Uh, probably about $1,800 per month,
1: 1,800 a month. Okay. So, I mean, can we can multiply those bad boys to get MRR if you want? Yeah. And so not 9 million in MRR,
0: uh, give or take. Yeah.
1: <laughs> How far? I'm maybe a little bit, bit less. I'm a little bit over. Yeah. 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 Will, yeah. You, will you, break up? <laughs> let me, let me ask you this way. Will you break a hundred million bucks in AR this year? Run rate? I just shy of it actually. Uh, sorry. Um,
0: yeah, just shy of it, most likely.
1: So you think by December of 2022, so this year you'll do about 8.3 million in, in MRR that month. Correct. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so now let's now let's reverse engineer from 100 million run rate, right? So you're getting there a bunch of ways. First off, you're preserving equity with some buybacks. You're doing some acquisitions, from M&A. Let's talk about the funding strategy first. So you thought you wanted to raise, and you did. What year was that, and how much did you raise?
0: Yeah, that was 2016, and we did an all secondary round for 37 million US, 50 million Canadian, if it was relevant. Okay, 37 million US and that was a hundred percent
1: secondary to you or also right. early employees investors.
0: Yeah, it was a combination, like everybody got a bonus and all that kind of stuff.
1: Okay, okay. And what valuation was that at?
0: 163 million. Did that US. feel
1: fair at the time? Yeah, it did.
0: Yeah. Okay. At the time. Yeah. Yeah. And that was post or pre. Yeah. That was uh there was technically no post or pre because it was all secondary. So okay, got it, got it, got it. Yeah.
1: So we could take 37 divided by 163. They bought about 20% of the business, 21.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Okay, and then you sort of casually said it felt good at the time. What happened?
0: Yeah, I was. I mean, it was. <laughs> it's it's easy to look back. I mean, it was it was all very positive. They were really great people, great groups. But um, you know, coming from a fully bootstrapped approach where the business is based on profitability and growth at the same time, and not grow by all costs. Where effectively the founder, being myself, is is gambling with the growth of the business, which is, a, as I see it, um, you know, we were just really weren't aligned from a philosophical perspective, but I don't think that would have been any different with any other parties. Frankly, I think it was just, you know, it was just how the times were then with, from an investment standpoint, and at least from, you know, kind of the VC to, to, um, you know, kind of startup EP firms as well. Mm-hmm. And so for us, it, it just really didn't make sense to, uh, to continue down that path.
1: hmm and, and so, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of you might right now be listening, thinking about raising capital or doing a secondary like you just described, but they're really not sure like what their first board meeting is going to be like. You obviously didn't like what you saw or heard in your first couple of board meetings. Otherwise, you wouldn't have bought them back out. So what, what were you yeah. expecting and what happened?
0: To be honest, it was, that's actually a great question because I had absolutely no idea. So like no preparation whatsoever, you know, very little (laughs) from a content perspective. We were doing like, again, you know, I think about 16 million at the time with maybe, maybe 20 employees in the business. And um, yeah, I just had zero experience from that perspective. So it really wasn't anything on that front. I think it was a combination of things that happened over, you know, over the three year period that, you know, it was just like, we better set right here this is going to go sideways the business had gone from triple digit growth to single digit growth um you know so really nobody was happy across the board and Mm -hmm. um i don't take a salary or compensation i i do well if the company does well so i'm very focused on again continuing to build the business not just you know ross has got you know compensation coming from salary and options and all this kind of stuff as well Mm -hmm. so what did you do about it sorry about so you didn't,
1: you didn't obviously like that sort of pressure. It didn't make a lot of sense, right? So what did you do about it? You, you raised this capital. Are they still on the cap table today?
0: No, no, no. So, so I bought them out. Or, you know, there's a few more nuances to it. But yeah, we effectively decided on a figure. I went our separate ways and... Um, <laughs> Ross, come on. It. You
1: think I'm just gonna let you off the hook by saying we decided on a figure? How the hell do you come up with a figure? They just paid 163 million valuation. Can you convince them to sell them back at like one X? Or they're gonna say, Ross, you gotta give us a premium. Our capital was tied up. No, no, there was nothing like that.
0: It was just uh, kind of what you said. Okay. so they're like,
1: they're like, if we had put the same 37 million bucks in the stock market, we would have earned 10%. So give us 10% more than 37 million. You can have your 20% back. Something like that.
0: Something like that, yeah. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Okay, and then and then what? So you get that deal done. W- where did you get that yeah. money from? By the way, was it the cap? I mean, was that all the money on the balance well, all sheet? The, all the secondary
0: funds. So effectively, at the time, I had just taken the capital, didn't spend any of it, invested it, and you know, the money was just sitting there. And so, I think we're very fortunate in that regard to have done an all secondary round, whereby you know we didn't put all the money into the business, spend the money, and now we're like we're we're totally screwed here. On both sides, sense. yeah. No, yeah. that makes it.
1: That makes a ton of sense. So, mm-hmm. okay, got it. So, so you you do that in 2016. Let's before we talk about like more recent capital news. Let's talk about product between 2017 mm-hmm. and today, right? So, how has that evolved? Have you done any acquisitions? Yeah,
0: yeah. So we did the two acquisitions that you you mentioned or that we've spoken about before. So we acquired a company out of Australia called Nito back at the end of 2020, so right in the thick of of COVID, um, and then acquired another uh, coincidentally Australian business as well at the end of 2021. Um, clearly, we have an affinity for Christmas deals, and uh, that was in the um, point of sale space uh, called Retail Express. And so, back to your question, which was, you know, how has the product evolved? We've had the same vision for the last six years, which was this unified again commerce marketing automation and um, and support uh, um, solution. And so, really. We acquired those businesses to just help bolster a lot of the knowledge, a lot of the understanding, a lot of the nuances that come from retail and and e-commerce that you know we just didn't have the experience with. Mm-hmm. And so those have been you know very successful for us, especially as we're continuing forward in the in our in our product strategy. How do you measure success of an acquisition? <laughs> Good question. Um, I mean the, the percentage of failures is so high. I, you know I, I think when you when you're able to look back and say that the assets still Has retained the value or amplified the value of the overall business. That's successful, right? Mm -hmm. Things aren't always going to work out with the, you know, with the founders or with the previous leadership team. Things aren't also going to work always going to work out from a customer technology perspective. But I think if you can look back and say, I would still do this, you know, 24 months later, 12 months later, even for that matter, you know, that's really the key, you know, to the success side of things. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I don't think that's very common in, in, you know, in all the examples that you and I have both seen over the years.
1: No, I would agree. So, Nito, how much ARR were they doing when you bought them? Do
0: you remember? They were around uh, just over ten million USD. Okay, got it. Um, and bootstrapped? Uh, no, they had. They were owned by. This is all public information. So they they were uh, majority. Their majority shareholder, sorry, was Telstra. It's an Australian telco, so similar to AT and T or Verizon, uh, but in Australia.
1: And so was that an advantage or a disadvantage that they were owned by a big conglomerate? I think it
0: was actually, in a way, it was an advantage um, because Telstra is a huge company. They were making changes with the effectively with the strategy that they were implementing that caused them to acquire or, or invest in a business like that. And so, you know, when a company that's doing billions and billions of dollars in revenue, you know, is making a turn, you know, a $10 million revenue company is really not that important to them. They're just thinking the strategy is different now. Let's exit the, you know, investments that we've made across the board and, and move into the new direction we're moving in. And so, so I think everybody was very motivated to, you know, to complete the transaction in a mutually uh, beneficial way. Yep. And and I guess when you look
1: at how Ross likes to structure deals, right, mm-hmm. of that total price that you paid for Nito, what percent was like all cash up front versus them taking a ride with you now and sitting on your cap mm-hmm. table? No, no, it was all cash. So
0: we, oh, we all, all have- cash. Yeah, our cap table is still myself and
1: the employees that's it wow that's incredible okay so so 60 million all cash up front for six mul- yeah. x multiple Yep. interesting and can you share those same metrics I'm Sorry, or- that was
0: in usd so it's a little less than that it was ah. closer to 4x multiple i see i see
1: usd yeah. okay cool and what about by the way you like 60 million retail express i think it was a 55 million dollar <laughs> deal uh same yeah. sort of size 10 million in revenue
0: uh, so a little bit smaller, but um, completely bootstrap and founder owned and operated. And the, the founder there is now our managing director of Australia and New Zealand, Quince. Ah, uh, that's super cool. Yeah. And did you
1: pay about the same multiple four to six X, something like that? Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Okay. And, and,
0: but in, in his example, there was a little bit more, you know, a big part of it was the partnership continuing forward. you know, having a, an aligned vision on the, on the business. So, I'm really excited to have him here. And he's obviously a big advocate for us in, in Australia.
1: Many of you guys listening have built incredible SaaS tools to help other founders, specific industries really get value or make some system easier. The problem is you can't help your clients until they import some portion of their data and you've considered on your Trello board and your Sprint timelines, spending weeks building a CSV importer for certain data sets. You're spying right now because you know I'm right. And either you do it and you waste engineering time or you don't do it and your customers have a horrible time getting onboarded. And listen, let's face the facts. Your ability to give value to your customers sometimes is very dependent on their ability to get you their data. Once you have the data, everything is really smooth. Well, this exact problem probably explains why FlatFile is growing so quick. They've raised over $44 million and they do exactly this, the data onboarding platform for your marketing teams, your engineering teams, they enable you to get usable data faster so you can focus on what matters most to your business. And the fastest growing companies like my friend ClickUp, Zeb, multi-billion dollar valuation, they all use FlatFile. Now, FlatFile reached out, they wanted a sponsor, I said, you got a good deal for us? And they do. For anyone listening, any anyone that's part of the top entrepreneurs community or get Latka, you can get a deal now to get started today at NathanLatka.com forward slash flat file. And they make it so easy, by the way, their onboarding is beautiful. You don't have to commit to a bunch of stuff. You can actually see a demo live instantly right now. Check it out. NathanLatka.com forward slash flat file. So I'm keynoting sassiest here in a couple of days. And I said, I want to put some of this at the front of my keynote. And what I want to put there is founder, a lot of founders don't know, this is going to sound very conceited, but I don't know a better way to ask it. Founders Mm. don't know how to get personally rich or wealthy without exiting, which Mm. they don't want to do because it's like selling your baby. You're going to go do the same thing again. So what if there was a way to not sell your baby, but still generate personal wealth? The way you obviously Mm. can do that is sort of via secondaries, dividends, things like that. You know, yeah. obviously without sharing personal net worth and things you don't want to share, but how have you yeah. how have you built the business so you can extract personally
0: wealth and build a great life? Yeah. So it goes back to my comment before. So I, I don't have a salary, I don't have a bonus, I, I don't have anything. I have my ownership in the business. And if the business does well, I do well. So typically through dividends, as you just described. And we've been fortunate enough to build a, you know, a, a strong performing business when it comes to cash flow and, and EBITDA and profitability. So that has really driven that side of the coin. Granted, that's not very common, certainly not in the in the tech space as we've seen. Most companies are burning through capital. So I think it just it takes that, you know, that unique focus on, on ensuring that a profitable business is a part of the strategy as well. So as in, it's great to grow 50% year over year, in my opinion, but it's also great to have a 40% or 50%. EBITDA margin or on the cash flow side of things. You
1: you guys are, you're doing 50% EBITDA margins right now last year? Yeah, about 52. Yeah.
0: (laughs) This is
1: insane. Guys, this isn't, I'm laughing. I'm laughing because I I mean, this isn't small scale we're talking about. I mean, this is like, I think you guys had like a $63 million in revenue USD Mm -hmm. last year, something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. He's like, yes, yes. Right, so 53%. (laughs) I mean, you guys do the math 53%. Now Ross, obviously that whole dividend That's not all coming out of business it's not all personally your no, money but we use it for Jordan. the acquisitions yeah and yeah so yeah. On, yeah yeah but you then you also obviously when you even when you pay out a dividend do you structure it in a way where it's weighted so for example if employees own 10 percent of the business you own 90 percent. you're going to pay out 10 million in profits it's split evenly like that
0: no we don't we don't have any shareholders except for myself um so we have option holders like everybody else and we're very generous with that side because we want people to enjoy in the the journey that we're going down um, but they are nonetheless still option holders. So I guess my question would be, do you let them, if, so if you
1: Ross as founder pay yourself out a dividend, which I love, you should, it's a great way to build wealth. And this is why you start a company in the first place is for freedom. Mm-hmm. Do you enable the employees to sell back options to the company at like a certain price I no. can, okay, got it. So they can't get, so how do, how will they get liquidity long-term?
0: Uh, they would get it when we we hit a, an exit event. So in our case, when we go public or be a public listing or direct listing or an IPO, that that is our our path. I mean, alternatively, you know, most other companies are trying to sell themselves, so that would be their liquidity event. But for us, that is the the specific path we're heading down. Oh, Ross, I think you would be a terrible public company CEO because it's
1: <laughs> not your it's not your personality I'm, at all.
0: Yeah. I'm not interested in that either. And that's, that's not my goal. That's different. My, my goal is more to, to retain 80% of the business and, and be able to operate from a product perspective or a vision perspective and really be supportive to somebody like that. I don't aspire to be the CEO of a public company. I, I say that in a joking way, but that's a compliment. Yeah, right? I just, You don't, so, yeah. you
1: don't fit the mold, right? Like you're yeah. doing things a very different way, which I think is frankly yeah. healthy. But my question still stands though. So if you don't want an IPO, you don't want to exit. You want to keep 80% growth grow it yourself. How- no, we, do, we do want to
0: IPO or we do want to go public. Oh, you, That's the goal.
1: Oh, you do want to IPO.
0: Correct. But I don't aspire to be the CEO of that public company. Oh, you know, after a few years, I will, you know, of course, uh, either, you know, bring somebody in from, from outside or have somebody, uh, you know, elevate within the organization. And we're positioning ourselves even now for those those stages. I see. Okay. Very cool. Now,
1: the reason we're recording this is twofold. One is that I wanted your story ahead of because you're actually doing some deals mm. in Sweden and the Nordics. But second is, I think you did recently a secondary. So update us. What did
0: you recently do? Yeah. So uh, just as of, or, sorry, it's still ongoing right now. So I'm not even sure if I should sh- share this, but we're doing a, a secondary round at a $1.7 billion valuation. I love this. Okay. So just for people that don't know what a secondary is, can you explain it in maybe
1: two, two three sentences?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, secondary is is it is providing liquidity to the shareholders as opposed to um, directing funds right into the business in terms of primary. Yep. So, so if we take, let's say you're at like a, I mean, what are you doing right now in
1: MRR? Uh, six, six. I have ish? to look.
0: Yeah. Six million.
1: Yeah. Just shy of that. Something around six. Yeah. So, I mean, if so, that would put you right now at like a run rate, whatever. What is that? Seven, $72 million dollar run rate, right? So, it's not multi- that high. It's, it's just under sixty. Under 60. Okay, cool. So I, I'm, I'm trying to back into your multiple, right? So did you, was it a competitive process and that's enabled you to drive up the multiple?
0: No, not really. We've gone with a much wider net. So there's not just one or two or even five parties involved. There's more than 50. Um, we've taken a bit of a different approach to this because we have a lot of people who have been involved in the business for years, have been in, you know, customers of the business, partners in the business, employees, family members, friends, Um, This was their opportunity to really to enter into the, um, you know, effectively wouldn't be the cap table again, but effectively enter into an investment that they can, you know, join the journey over the next few years as we head to our public listing as well. And so
1: what do you think the size of the secondary will be, you know, 50 million, 10 million, 100 million? Yeah, probably
0: close to 50 million.
1: 50 million. Okay, interesting. So this is sort of a way for, you know, partners, friends, supporters, Marketing yep. agency owners who love you to death and sell out of Maro to buy in pre-IPO. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Interesting, super interesting. How do all your other sort of IPO metrics? Rule of forty. You good? Yeah, we're
0: good on that one. Yeah, absolutely. Net
1: dollar retention. Yeah, with the actual?
0: Yeah, well, uh, this year will be well above one hundred and fifty. Okay,
1: that's that's world class. I'm trying to think. Yeah. Of revenue per employee.
0: Revenue per employee is just over 200 right now, but it'll be significantly higher. We've been staffing up, you know, much like other companies are aggressively. That, well, well, so sorry, I don't, that number will go down because you're adding headcount. No, no, no. So we've added that headcount, or we're already in that process oh, right now, oh. but we've, we've staffed up for a much higher revenue multiple at oh, the end of the year, which, which is great
1: because you're already above average. Most public trades companies, it's about 129,000 average revenue per employee. You're already at 200. Rule of 40 is rule of whatever higher, and net dollar retention is yeah. already world class at 150.
0: Yeah, we're targeting about three over 300 350 on the on the employee side of things
1: I just love that you track it I never talked to a creative deal yeah. founder that's even tracking revenue really for it's not yeah. even a thought unfortunately yeah. so I think it's great uh, how have you driven yeah. you know something I guess we'll wrap up on this um, your that net dollar retention surprises me because you're selling to mid market these aren't enterprise deals necessarily yeah. how are you going be able to get how have you been able to keep gross churn low and then also cross sell enough to get
0: up to 150 net? Yeah. So the 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 key element of the platform is people are usually coming in for one, you know, through one of the areas of the platform. So one of the three or one of the four, arguably, is you know uh, e-commerce, retail, marketing, or or service uh, clouds. And so they're coming in through one of those, and then we're cross-selling them over the rest of the platform. So if anything, one hundred and fifty is probably generous because somebody could easily come into service cloud and maybe they're using a Shopify or they're using a Claviyo for marketing, and that's fine. And then we cross-sell them into those solutions, and all of a sudden, what was a you know thousand dollar a month customer is now a four thousand dollar a month customer, hmm. and those other areas of the solution are of significantly higher, maybe not cost base, but value for the business overall. Hmm. That makes a ton of sense. And what's the what's
1: the full team size today? How many people? Uh, Three
0: hundred and
1: five. Three hundred five. And how many of those are engineers? Uh, about one hundred and twenty-five. Okay, so heavy there as expected. How many sales reps that carry a quota?
0: Only 15. Interesting. Why do you say only? Uh, because usually companies would have, you know, usually the numbers would be the other way around to what I just described. So, um, you know, you'd have 100 people in, in sales at a, you know, at a minimum and then marketing would be another 50 or 60 even and then the rest trickles down through support and client success and development and so on.
1: Ross, this is a hell of a story, man. We're rooting for you. Let's yeah. wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, favorite business book.
0: Favorite business book. Uh, Elon Musk, uh, Musk's autobiography.
1: Number two, by the way, is he, is, he gonna t- is, is he about to take over all of He has 9.2% of Twitter. Is he going to take over the whole yeah. thing or what? I don't think so. No. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> so. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying?
0: Probably him, to be honest with you, it's not like I'm a fan or anything, I should say I'm not a fan, but I'm not a fan in particular. I just really appreciate the hard work. And, and I can obviously sympathize with the fact that you know, it takes so much of that to get to where he's been. Um, you know, Post is, of course, not comparable to Tesla in any way, shape or form, but you know, we certainly hard worked our way to a lot of our successes.
1: Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building Morrow Post besides your own? Mm, good question.
0: Honestly, probably Microsoft Office. Yeah, They've just done a great job.
1: Tried yeah. and true number four. How many hours of sleep you get every night?
0: Uh, six hours. Six.
1: That's impressive because you have a new one, so that's impressive. Six hours yeah. is pretty good, actually. I've been lucky
0: to uh, to maintain that. To be honest, with you. I've been talking a lot about it. <laughs> yeah. I forget. First kid, or is it
1: second or third? First kid, yeah, and a week oh. old. Wow! Well, hey, congratulations, man. That's so I was at, my email was right on when I said I think the babies do is literally yeah like, exactly yeah it was last Friday or oh,
0: sorry the <laughs> uh, Friday before last
1: I was so I was only yeah. two days late about that's two days late exactly <laughs> it's amazing yeah. all right uh, and how old are you Ross? I'm thirty eight. Thirty eight. Last question: something you wish you knew when you were twenty? Something I wish you knew was when I was twenty. Jesus.
0: <laughs> Good question. I wish I knew how hard it would be to get to this point. (laughs) I think at the time it seemed very easy and it wasn't as easy as I thought it would be. Not an
1: easy journey, guys. Marl Post launched back in 2012, 2013. They did 300K in revenue in 2013, 3.4, 2014. Fast forward to 2016, to 13.3 million and sold 37 million bucks uh, worth of capital, caught capital on 163 million valuation. So sold 20% of the business and said, you know what? I don't like these board meetings with other investors. I want to buy them <laughs> back. He did. Now the company, basically him and employees own 100% of the business. They've scaled up to 60 million bucks in ARR, serving over five thousand customers, 52% profit, EBITDA profit margin last year. And now are raising call it between 15 and 60, 70 million bucks in a secondary at a $1.7 billion valuation, about a 28X multiple. This is how you build a great SaaS company, keep control and build a great life as he welcomes his first little one in the world. Ross, thanks for taking us to the top.
0: Yeah. Thanks so much, Nathan.